Diabetes. I don't know who did all that food, but excellent. Just y'all went above and beyond, and uh, certainly a, a wonderful thing. Proverbs chapter number 25. Oh, I am accidentally calling my, my daughter, and my phone just went off. There we go. She's going to call me back here in a minute. I'll be like, she's FaceTime too, so I could just let her watch the service. So. There you go. I'll prop her right here so she can get a close-up view of Dad. So. <clears throat> All right, Proverbs chapter 25. And uh, we're going to deal with the, uh, uh, something that I hope will be a help to us in the coming year. Um, Proverbs chapter number 25, and if you'll look down verse number uh, 28 with me. The Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And I want to, I want to speak this, this afternoon on the topic of how we can keep a right spirit, the right kind of a spirit. What is it that affects our spirit? Uh, how, do we, how do we protect that? And uh, the, the Solomon, one of the wisest men, uh, wrote this proverb that a man who cannot control or have rule over his own spirit is, is defenseless, basically. Uh, it says he's like a city is broken down and without walls. I was talking to somebody this week about the idea that uh, we don't think enough of the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Uh, whether we like to know that or not, we're wrestling against things that Satan is trying to accomplish. Our purpose in life is to remain strong as Christians, to be steadfast in these areas. And uh, this this person that cannot rule well their own spirit is something that someone who uh, is defenseless towards these things. And it ought to be a priority of our lives uh, to rule well our own spirit. Sometimes um, when I say when we talk about ruling well our own spirit, there are areas of our spirit that tend to be problematic for us. Uh, they tend to uh, cause us to sin, uh, certainly to not have a proper testimony. Uh, for instance, some, some people, their spirit is marked by a spirit of anger and temper. And it's something that I know I've, I've in my past life, have had strong battles uh, of my own will in the area of temper. Um, when I was a, a younger man, I um, would, would just get boiling angry. And uh, had had some issues that God has allowed to, to get victory over in the last 25, 30 years. But I, I can understand and empathize with people who struggle in this area of the temper. Uh, how much of a control it can have on you and the fact that uh, you're not in control of yourself oftentimes when that happens. And so our spirits need to be marked by uh, one of a, a, of a good temperament. Uh, it's interesting to me that the Bible speaks of us having a, uh, a good temperament or uh, to be tempered in some things. And the idea of uh, uh, moderation, uh, the fact that we are not an extreme of anything as far as uh, our, our temperament goes, as far as our personality goes, that we don't fly off the handle uh, one minute and then we're lackadaisical, that there's a steadiness there. And the steadiness comes from walking with God and having a, a temperate attitude. Uh, there is uh, years ago, uh, we were getting some signs made uh, for the lighting company that we were um, uh, doing for a customer, and we were going to backlight these signs, and they had to be uh, uh, about a four-foot square. And so we went up to a glass company up in, I think it was the Arnold area, and 
uh, talked to them about making the glass and the signage that was needed for that particular light box. And they asked us what kind of uh, glass we wanted, whether it needed to be tempered or not. And I asked them, I said, well, what's the difference? And they said, well, a, a glass that is not tempered, uh, it reacts pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty unstable, and so it reacts pretty violently to uh, any shock that's given to it. You can take a hammer or uh, something bumps the face of that glass, and it can uh, pop and break and shatter. They said, you can take tempered glass... And you can take a hammer, and as long as you hit it flat on the face of the surface, it doesn't even phase the glass. It just sits there and doesn't have a problem with that. And uh, the idea that the tempering uh, added stability, and uh, the idea that the Bible teaches us that we ought to be temperate in all things, uh, that there ought to be a moderation to us, there ought to not be the extremes in our spirit. Uh, I think all of us can relate to people that we've either known or maybe we have been this way in our past, that are on the mountaintop one minute and then you meet them two hours later and they're uh, in the throes of depression and in the valley. And uh, there's, there's oftentimes that we don't have the control of that spirit, uh, the, the idea of that. Sometimes there's a spirit of criticism. And boy, this is a tough one. This is one that I think a lot of us struggle with, uh, how easy it is for us to criticize uh, and can I maybe give us an insight into why that is? Uh, I believe that the reason we, we are, have a tendency to be so critical is because we think highly of, more highly of ourselves than we ought to. What we're saying when we're critical is, they're not like I am. And therefore we criticize. And we have pride that gets in the way. And so sometimes there's a spirit of criticism that uh, we battle, we struggle with. And uh, how about the spirit of complaining? It uh, doesn't seem how much good happens in your life. There's just never anything good that you can say. And uh, there's some people you don't ask them how they're doing. You're afraid they might tell you. and Because uh, all they can do is complain. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, somebody said years ago, you know, every family has one. And if you can't think of who it is, then you're it. And uh, so... All of us probably know somebody that has a complaining attitude. And if you can't think of who it is, then, then maybe we're it. Maybe we're the ones that struggle with that. Uh, but the, the inconsistency of the, our spirits can be so easily thrown off of what it ought to be. Uh, so easily misdirected. So easily taken off the path of a right thing. Uh, a negative spirit. And sometimes you get around folks and they have never anything good to say. I mean, just nothing good to say. Um, I remember years ago there was a fellow who worked for my dad. He was on staff, and uh, I remember the fellow very well. In fact, he had a son, and his son and I were very good friends. And uh, he uh, he uh, had a station wagon. He had about 25 kids. It seemed like They're, they always filled the station wagon. You know, how Baptist people are. They had like this old, beat down, rusted station wagon, and held together with uh, baling wire. And uh, he ran these tires till they were bald, and the belts were starting to the steel belts were starting to show in the tires. And he kept coming to my dad and saying, "Pastor, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I I got to buy these tires. I don't want to. I, I just really don't want to buy them right now. And uh, all, I just can't, boy. And I mean, for months and months and months, this fellow went on and on and on about buying tires. And finally, one day, somebody came to him and said, "Listen, brother, here's the money. Go buy the tires." And so he went down. He bought him some tires, and he came in the next day and. Uh, my dad said, boy, I see you got some tires on there. He said, yeah, but they're only 30,000 miles, and already I'm thinking that I'm going to have to replace these things in 30,000 miles. 
Instead of praising God for meeting the need, he had nothing good to say. We chuckle at things like this because we all know people like this, but if we're not careful, we won't look inwardly. Because all of us battle our spirits sometimes. And if we cannot rule well our spirit, the Bible says that we're like a city that's broken down without walls. We're susceptible to the onslaught of Satan to, to get us to, to have a spirit that is not pleasing to the Lord. I like what the psalmist wrote. If you will, turn over to Psalm 51 in verse number 10. Psalm 51 in verse number 10. The psalmist wrote this. Nathan the prophet had just come to him. He had sinned with Bathsheba. David had sinned with Bathsheba. Nathan had just come to him and told him the, the illustration of the man who had many sheep and the man who had one. And David was angry. And Nathan, after David said, boy, you ought to, this, this man ought to pay the price, Nathan looked at him and pointed the finger and said, Thou art the man. And David was smitten in his soul, in his spirit. And he made this statement as part of his prayer. In verse number 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew. Do you see that word? Renew a what? Right spirit within me. If the psalmist was in need of a right spirit being not, not created in him, he asked God to create a clean heart, but he asked Him to renew a right spirit. Can I tell you this, that even a man after God's own heart is susceptible to having his spirit in a way that is not a right spirit. So I want, to, I want to give us a couple things here that we can look out for, things that we need to be watchful for that will affect our spirit. And then I want us to look at a couple of things that will be a help to us as we go into the new year. Uh, there are several enemies, I believe, that the Bible speaks of and uh, that uh, will affect our, our spirit. The first one, maybe, that I have written down here is uh, those that are critics, those that will speak evil of you. And the Bible talks about the fact that they're, they're, they're going to hate you. If they hated me and you're trying to serve me, he spoke about the fact that they're going to hate you. They're going to speak all manner of evil against you. And you know what Paul's expression was about that? He said, blessed are you when men shall revile you. The idea that when somebody is critical of us, we ought to look at that, especially if they're critical for us for, for serving the Lord and doing what's right. We ought to look at that as a blessing of the Lord. And oftentimes, we allow the criticism to affect our spirit, don't we? We take it very personally. We don't look at it from the sense that I'm doing what's right, I'm pleasing the Lord, and it really does not matter what man will say about me. We take the criticism personally. We take it very hard if we're not, not careful, we will allow a spirit of discouragement. We'll allow a, a spirit of frustration to start uh, getting a, a, a foothold in the door. And Satan knows that if he can get that, if he can get just the, the, the foot through the door of, of working on our spirit, that it's not very long before he'll have us uh, on, the way, on the sidelines doing nothing for the Lord with a bitter attitude, with a, uh, an attitude that does not want to uh, do anything for God anymore. We've got to learn to keep a right spirit. We've got to learn to ask God over and over and over again as we face these things daily to help me have a right spirit. Renew it inside of me. Help it to be something that is fresh and clean again all over. 
Critics can be a, a hindrance to us. Friends. You ever thought of that? Friends can be a hindrance to our spirit. You know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's one thing when critics and, and those that are opposed to you and those that are against you turn against you and criticize you. But when a friend <laughs> gives you a hard time and, and criticizes you and makes it difficult, how much more that hurts sometimes and how much more that spirit is quenched inside of us. We've got to be careful that we don't allow these outside things to affect our spirit. We need to learn to rule them well. We need to learn and pray with dependence upon God to renew that right spirit in us. <clears throat> families. Families can be a hindrance to our spirit, can't they? You've got un unbelievers in your family or maybe some Christians that are living in a carnal way that uh, certainly cause uh, heartache to you, cause some suffering. Maybe even not just a, a family by blood, but maybe even your church family or, or uh, others that you are very close to in those relationships. They can cause our, our uh, spirits to be troubled. And then uh, the circumstances of life. Just, just some of the things that happen. In Job chapter number 5, take a minute to turn over there with me and, and look at this. Job, if anybody could speak uh, of trouble <laughs> in their life, I think we would have to agree. Job is probably the authority on it. Uh, Job chapter number 5 and verse number 7. And uh, I like what he writes here. He says in verse uh, number five, chapter or ch verse number seven, chapter five. He says, "Yet man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward." I mean, that's an encouraging verse of scripture, isn't it? Isn't that the one you want to hear when you're down in the dumps? But the truth is, life—if we take it and look at it from realistic and not rose-colored glasses—you'll realize that life is difficult. That there are circumstances of life that, if we're not careful, will cause us to get discouraged and frustrated and critical and angry maybe. Uh, maybe even get to the place of having just a negative spirit all the time. Oh, pastor, you just don't know what's going on in my life. Well, we've got to be careful of that. Why? Because that's an enemy. It affects a couple of things in us. Number one, it affects the perception that we have. The perception that we have. I, we used to, in our uh, print shop down in Florida, we have a, uh, a saying that was over uh, the top of the door. It says, do not look at the circumstance, look at the God of the circumstance. And to keep our eyes focused on the one that's still in control. Somebody said years ago, and I love the statement, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Nothing takes God by surprise, not one thing. It, he understands. He knows it's coming. He has foreknowledge. He knows these things. And when these circumstances come into life, they're, they're not things that we ought to be focused on. We ought to be focused on the one that can help us through them. The one that can solve them. The place that we turn to first for the solution of it ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to do when our gaze is off and our, our focus is wrong. I was uh, sharing with somebody just this week, and I've shared this before. A few of you may have heard it already. But a number of years ago, a young man uh, was uh, uh, doing a science project for school. And he taught a flea to jump over a pencil. Every time he said the word hup, he'd say hup, and the flea would jump over. And uh, so he was writing his report, and uh, he said, I wonder what would happen if I pulled two of its legs off. So he takes some tweezers, and he pulled two legs off, and set the flea down, and said hup, and he jumped over the pencil. So he wrote down... When a flea loses two legs, he continues uh, to jump. 
And then the, he pulled two more legs off and did the same thing. The flea jumped over the pencil. Finally, he pulled the last two legs off and he set the flea down and he said, Hup, and he did not jump over the pencil. And so in his report, he wrote, When a flea loses his last two legs, he becomes deaf. The problem was he had wrong perception. He saw the facts, didn't he? He knew what they were. But he had a wrong perception, a wrong focus. We chuckle at a story like that because it is silly and it is, it is comical. But the sad fact of the matter is how often we do that in our Christian lives. We see the circumstances of life and instead of fastening our eyes upon Him, we begin to watch the circumstances. I think there was a, a disciple like that, wasn't there, one day? He was asked to get out of a boat in the middle of a storm and to walk on top of the water. He began to walk on the water. By the way, before we're too critical of Peter, he's the only other man other than Christ to ever walk on water. Could you imagine? I can't wait to ask him how that was like. But the Bible said he got his eyes on the waves, the turmoil of the storm. When he began to look at the circumstance instead of the God of the circumstance, he began to struggle, he began to sink. And we laugh and we chuckle at a story that pastor tells of a little flea. But the truth of the matter is, so often in our lives, we see the truth, but we have a wrong perception of it. Our focus is not where it should be. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12, one of, one of my favorite passages of Scripture that I love. I love the fact that the writer of Hebrews challenges us by laying the groundwork of a large number, a multitude, innumerable, of men and women and children that were faithful, even faithful unto death. And then he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. To be counted in the company of some of these faithful men and women and children. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin which has so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the grace that is set before us. And I love verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus. What was the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying, look, there's some men that we've pointed to in Hebrews 11 that paid the price. I mean, talk about some circumstances of life that didn't go their way. Some that were burned at the stake. Some that were sawn asunder. Some that were left in animal skins and forced to wander in the wilderness. The writer of Hebrews says, you need to run this race with patience. If it costs you your life. If it costs you to be burned at the stake. If it costs you to be sawn asunder, if it costs you to be sold in animal skins and sent out into the wilderness, whatever the cost, run the race with patience. How? How? By looking unto Jesus, keeping the right perspective, keeping the right focus. How in the world this year in 2022, and let me tell you, there are so many things that you and I have to gripe and complain about, don't, aren't there? You don't have to look at the news more than about that many minutes to find a whole list of things you can spend the rest of the day complaining about. 
how in the world am I ever going to keep a right spirit? In the life that I am living right now, day by day, my family is going to disappoint me. How am I going to keep a right spirit? A friend may offend me. How am I going to keep a right spirit? A foe may be critical of me. How am I going to keep a right spirit? By looking unto Jesus. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Him. Look with me, if you will, in Isaiah chapter number 26. I wasn't going to share this verse, but I think I will. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3, a wonderful, wonderful verse of Scripture. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what? Sounds like ruling your own spirit well, doesn't it? I keep my mind stayed on him. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting what? Strength. In 2022, we've got a lot of things that we can look at and say, boy, that's, a, that's, going, to, that's going to cause me to have a poor spirit. My spirit might cause somebody to be turned away from the things of God. They might see me in a moment of anger. They might see me in a moment of complaining or being critical, being negative. They might see me in a moment of frustration. If I'm going to be a testimony this year for the Lord, how am I going to keep a right spirit? Number one, I've got to keep my focus right. You say, how do I do that? By looking unto Jesus. Okay, but what does that mean, Pastor? There's only one place I know that I can find Jesus in full clarity. And it's this book. When I come to this book, it gives me the mind of my God. I begin to see Jesus. I begin to look at Him. I begin to keep my eyes upon Him. The songwriter wrote it this way years ago, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. How do we do that? We find Him in here. As face answereth the face, so heart answereth the heart. Oh, that we would learn to look upon Jesus in His fullness. Having the right focus. We look for Jesus by looking for Him in His Word. And then secondly, there's another thing that will help our spirits. This is just a practical thing. Find yourself and surround yourself with a lot of faithful Christian friends. The first way you can get your spirit squelched is get around somebody who's angry or critical or complaining or negative. And the next thing you know, you're following suit. It's, you ever notice how contagious criticism is? You ever notice how contagious complaining is? I mean, it doesn't take but just a minute for somebody. I don't care how good you're talking about things. You get somebody to say one critical word and all of a sudden everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Well, you think that's bad. Well, let me tell you what my complaint is. And we begin to compare our complaints and we try to beat each other out by having the worst complaint. We're not ruling well our own spirits, are we? I look at that oftentimes. I think, how much harm is done to the cause of Christ simply because we do not rule well our own spirits? Well, Pastor, it's only affecting me. No, no, no. It affects so many more than us. Look with me in Proverbs chapter number 27. 
I'll leave you with just the two last verses here and then we'll be done. Proverbs chapter 27. Verse number 17. The Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of a friend. You want to you have some help and some support to keep your right spirit. Find others that have a right spirit and make them your friends. Spend time with them. Find those that help sharpen your spirit. Find those that help draw your spirit to look to Jesus. And those that would push it away from those things, avoid them. I'm not saying don't be friendly to them, but avoid them. Don't make them your close personal friends. Look with me in verse number 9, same chapter. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. I encourage you two things that will help us this year to have a right spirit, not just renewed, but maintained in our life. Let's keep our eyes upon Jesus. And let's surround ourselves with faithful friends who will help us to do the same. And I hope that will help us. Just something practical, something you can sink your teeth into this afternoon and get a hold of and say, boy, I just want that to help. Miss Kim? Uh oh, we got a woman preacher. <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> oh my. I just wanted to say that we love you. And Carol, please, it's not so soft. <laughs> Thank you so much, Miss Kim. Thank you all so much. I appreciate that. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Brother Harold, did you go shh? Oh. <laughs> All righty. All right. Well, here we go. Well, it's been a good day today, and I hope you all have a great, great week this week as we look forward to another year to serve the Lord and pray that God will help us to do so. Let's pray together. We'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. And Lord, help us to be more than we are today. Help us to grow. Help us to be uh, the kind of folks that can rule well our own spirits. That You will enable us and strengthen us and help us to have our spirits renewed day by day. That we will strive to have a spirit that is pleasing to You. That is a testimony for You and is a help to others. And so, Father, help us in this area, this as we look forward to a new year. I pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. Help us as we go our ways to keep the messages upon our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.